Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the education channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, Tom DeSena, from the Department of Communication, Journalism, and Public Relations at Oakland University. My guests today are Patricia Summers and Matt Valentine, the editors of Campus Carry, Confronting a Loaded Issue in Higher Education from Harvard Education Press. Pat Summers is an associate professor in the Program of Higher Education Leadership in the Educational Leadership and Policy Department at the University of Texas at Austin. Matt Valentine teaches writing at the University of Texas at Austin, where he is a fellow of the Trice Professorship in the Plan 2 Honors Program. Their book, Campus Carry, brings together a range of voices and perspectives to examine one of the most pressing issues confronting American institutions of higher education today. Pat Summers and Matt Valentine, welcome to the New Books Network. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Pat, you've been studying the issue of firearms on campus, and for people who not may not be aware, can you tell us exactly what the term campus carry refers to? Yes, and um, let me add that uh, both Matt and I um, speak for ourselves and not for our institutions. Um, campus carry is uh, a, a movement uh, that started a, a number of years ago to allow um, the concealed carry of weapons on campus, specifically handguns. Um, there are now a number of states, and I think Matt can probably fill us in on the number, that have campus carry in some form or another. Um, in um, Texas. Um, ironically, the, the bill passed and um, went into effect on the 50th anniversary of the Texas Tower shooting, um, which was the first uh, uh, mass shooting on a college campus in the United States. Um, and uh, campus carry does allow people to conceal carry handguns on campuses um, with, um, in some cases, restrictions on permitting and training and so forth. Uh, Matt, do you want to add some more details to the laws? Uh, sure. So at the time we, we, we uh, wrote this book, and it, it was published in uh, November of 2020, so just a few months ago, uh, the number of states uh, with these campus carry policies uh, was was 10. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually... Uh, a little bit hard to, 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 to pin that down because the, the number of uh, states that, that implement it in different ways sort of splits it into a few different categories. Um, since then, it just a, I mean, it's only been a few months since publication, but it's already out of date in the, in the sense that um, there are a couple of additional states that have uh, enacted campus carry legislation. Uh, Montana is one of those, and it, that, that policy was just stayed by a judge uh, <laughs> This week, so um, you know, the, 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 it's it's a very dynamic uh, situation with, with in terms of you know how how far and wide this uh, policy is spreading, but it is it is sp- spreading at a fairly accelerated pace. Um, and and yep. Matt, you're you're a journalist, and you've covered you've been covering gun related issues uh, for a number of publications. Can you give us a little sense of how this idea of campus carry got started? Well, you know, a lot of people have the impression that this uh, was a, sort of a response to the uh, Virginia Tech shooting, but uh, and 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 certainly, you know, concerns about campus safety, uh, at, you know, following the Virginia Tech massacre um, uh, are part of it, um, and and have informed people's thinking uh, about. Um, about gun violence and, and, uh, ways that campuses can, uh, respond to it. Um, but campus carry actually predates Virginia tech by, uh, three years. Um, and it began actually as a footnote. Um, the attorney general of Utah, 
was ruling on another matter uh, concerning Second Amendment rights and, and included just in, as a footnote in his advisory opinion that uh, the University of Utah's uh, ban on, on guns on campus was unconstitutional. Um, that was then challenged by the university, and there was a legal battle, which they ultimately lost. And so Utah became the first state with uh, what with with what we typically think of as uh, you know sort of a, a contemporary campus carry policy. Um, so you know it it there was not it wasn't a response initially to any you know immediate situation with campus safety. Um, it, you know a lot of the um, subsequent policies point to Utah and say, well, look, it worked there. So it, you know, it's, it has been relatively harmless there. So it's not a big deal if we expand this to, to other states. That's what proponents of the bill would argue. Um, but, you know, there are lots of, <laughs> lots of consequences of comp- campus carry policy that um, are sometimes uh, ignored. Um and we, I'm sure we'll talk about some of those as we progress in this. Yeah, I, I want to talk about a yeah. number of those. Uh, but I think it's important that, that according to your research, this was not a, a grassroots movement of students demanding the right to carry firearms into classrooms because of what happened at Virginia Tech. No, it, it well, it, it, no. Um, there, there is an, a student organization that, that has national... Uh, reach um, called Students for Concealed Carry. Um, uh, it was originally called Students for Concealed Carry on Campus, and and uh, it, it its name has has changed a little bit. Um, but it, it is um, often sort of uh, framed as the grassroots movement of of uh, student activists who want to be able to carry guns on campus in order to protect themselves in the event of an attack or personal safety, you know, fears about stalkers and things like that, uh, fears about sexual assault. Um, but you know, that really is, is more of an astroturf movement than a, than a truly grassroots movement. Um, they have, uh, the, the students for concealed carry have a, um, uh, uh, some some funding and organizational support and infrastructural support uh, from the legislative institute. They have uh, ties to a number of uh, of, of well established uh, sort of right wing uh, activist organizations. Um, and in fact, at the University of Texas, uh, when our campus carry law was implemented uh, and took effect in 2016, uh, the New York Times came down to to report on it, and they were only able to find one student at our campus of 40,000 undergraduates who identified himself as a member of, of Students for Concealed Carry. Um, so it's... <laughs> so, it's so certainly not, not a broad-based grassroots movement no, by any stretch of the no. imagination. I, ironically, um, <clears throat> historically, higher education has been a kind of a, a raucous enterprise from the beginning back in the medieval universities in, in Europe um, mm-hmm. where students uh, brought their swords to campus and they had uh, mostly uh, sword fights over honor uh, uh, issues. Um, and that carried over in into colonial colleges as well. Um, there were... Um, uh, there were shootings at Harvard, Princeton, a uh, very famous one at the University of uh, Virginia in um, the 1840s, where the dean of the um, uh, law school yeah, was murdered. Yeah, um, your, your story there was hair-raising. Yes, yes, very much so. And and the five students who were um, involved in that uh, uh, had to flee campus, including one of Jefferson's uh, nephews. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting that... Uh, over time, that changed, and most uh, colleges and universities uh, banned guns um, and other weapons on campus. And so, uh, uh, eventually, college campuses and K-12 institutions became some of the safest places um, uh, to be free from um, gun violence. Um, but that did change uh, because of a couple of court decisions Um uh, the Heller case and the McDonald case, which essentially said that um, government could not uh, dictate uh, individual gun ownership, particularly in, in private homes um, and apartments. And um, as a result of those two cases, uh, then the, uh, uh, the courts found that uh, states controlled 
the uh, gun laws and uh, as uh, is currently the case uh, the states were more conservative over time and so that's why we have now um, a patchwork array of different campus carry and um, what's called open or permitless carry in um, all 50 of the states. Could you repeat that just just real quick? Because there's some distinctions there uh, that I'm not sure our listeners are going to be aware of. Certainly. Um, campus carry is when, um, um, in, in most states, when you can concealed carry with some kind of permit or training. Um, there's also a movement, and in, in fact, we just passed a law in Texas for what's called permitless or constitutional carry. Again, it is concealed carry, but essentially there are no requirements. Anyone can can have a gun with no training and no permit. Um, and Matt, I think you have a little bit more information on this law, which just went to the governor's desk for signature last week. I, I, I have been following it some, um, and I'm, I'm prepared to, to, to discuss that if that's if that's where we want to go with the conversation now, Tom, does that? Sure. Oh yeah. yeah? That's fine. Okay. So, you know, Texas has gotten a lot of attention, uh, for its, um, legislative session this year, the 2021 legislative session, uh, which, you know, our governor has described as the, uh, the most, most conservative, uh, session in, in a, in a century. Um, uh, of course, you know, words like conservative, uh, you know, sort of get turned inside out and upside down um, when we're talking about gun laws, because we're talking generally the, the Republican Party uh, supports more permissive gun laws, which, you know, in, a, in an abstract sense would, would be considered liberal. Uh, yes. But of course, it's not uh, liberal politics in, uh, in the American uh, context. Um, but... Um, Sort of one of the one of the headline grabbing features of of our current legislative session, or just just uh, just ended legislative session, uh, was this passage of of constitutional carry, as the proponents like to call it, uh, which you know, frames the idea as being that that you know as intended by the constitution there should be no regulations on firearms whatsoever no restrictions at all no restrictions and 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 then so this is pres- framed as a restoration of gun rights and campus carry was sort of an incremental step toward that i mean it, it um and really you know it's it it can feel to some educators like a sort of a bait and switch because when campus carry was promoted uh, and discussed, um, you know, there were a lot of assurances being issued by lawmakers and by proponents of this policy that said, well, only people who have a permit are going to be carrying and only about 1% of the population of Texas uh, gets this permit. So we anticipate that, uh, you know, the number of students or, or faculty or staff carrying guns on, on campus at any given time may, may only be, you know, a few hundred in a university of tens of thousands. Um, and that the, this population of people who have, uh, have the permit are, um, uh, law-abiding citizens. And they would point to the uh, Texas Department of Public Safety records that show, you know, relatively few convictions, uh, for people with, uh, with, with, with carry permits. The responsible then, gun owner. Right. So that was, that was a, a big part of the, the sales pitch for campus carry was that these, these, you know, these precautions were in place. Of course, those of us who were, who were sort of following the movement and, and paying attention, uh, to sort of, you know, what, um, was happening in, in other states and, and also what, you know, advocates of, of campus carry were also advocating for, uh, were aware that, that the end game, the, the, the goal was, uh, so-called constitutional carry, which is just no regulations at all. Um, and that's, that's where we are. Of course, that's being presented now as a, as a sort of a harmless policy as well. You know, when, when our legislators, uh, uh, 
proposed this this uh, this bill here in Texas, they said, well, it's it it's the law of the land in twenty other states, which uh, you know Pat and I were just discussing a, a couple of days ago. Say, could that actually be right? Well, uh, sort of. You know, there, I mean, there are different levels of, of restrictions in other states, but but most of these are brand new. I mean, a, a lot of these states, you know, Idaho passed its constitutional carry law in 2020, Iowa in 2021, uh, Kentucky expanded theirs in 21. You know, it's it, and probably yeah. all of those were experiencing pandemic shutdowns at the time, so we right. don't really know exactly <laughs> what the consequences are going to be like because we're all we've all been away. Right, right, and so you you have to look at 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 the few uh, cases of states that have had this this kind of law on the books for, for for a little longer period of time. You look at Kansas, which passed constitutional carry in 2015, and you know uh, you look at the 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 uh, the, the the gun deaths uh, as recorded by the CDC, and what you see is that in in the year that they passed it, gun deaths were about the same as they had been the previous year. They went up slightly the following year. But then by the third year into implementation, they were up by about 30%. And that's held uh, since. So um, now is that, I mean, of course, it's not as simple as saying that's cause and effect. But, uh, you know, the the idea that this is a a policy without consequence is, um, is, is not supported by the evidence. Yeah. I want to talk some more about about some of those consequences. Um, at one point in your essay, you suggest that campus carry functions as a, as a kind of wedge issue, which sometimes state legislatures may use to uh, further defund higher education. I was wondering if you could speak a little to this issue and perhaps the role of the American Legislative Exchange Council in this movement to arm our campuses. Pat, can we start with you? Um, yes, um, certainly uh, uh, campus carry has come at a high cost to colleges and universities, not just the social psychological impact, which we can talk about later, but um, there are, are uh, things that come with the various campus carry laws, including signage, um, including um, uh, uh gun lockers uh, uh, to store guns while students are on campus. Um, so it's it's been very expensive um, in, in terms of the expenditures that colleges and universities had to, had to outlay. Plus, there are many kinds of trainings and safety precautions and um, working out policies between students, faculty, staff, administration, and um, campus police. And I'll point out that um, uh, by and large, uh, campus police departments and police departments in general do oppose campus carry um, and open carry because uh, the more guns there are, the the more violence there is. And it makes their jobs much more difficult um, if there is a, there are a variety of uh, laws about carrying guns. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a point that a lot of people don't often recognize is how um, really worried the presence of guns on campus makes our police officers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and I've talked with uh, pol- uh, campus police officers, and um, they are very concerned. Um, they they realize the risks. They realize how on edge faculty, students, staff, administrators are um, about the possibility that if someone disagrees with you um, over an issue, that they'll pull out a gun and and start shooting you. Um, So there is a very high level of fear. Yeah. Uh, But even beyond that, and I think this was in your essay, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken, but maybe we can speak to it just the same, that by proposing campus carry for a state and then sort of getting an understandable reaction from campus communities. That is, you know, I've, I've spoken to my students about this issue and, and it's the very rare student who thinks that it would be a good idea to have uh, people armed inside of a classroom. Um, you know, that, that as a response to this kind of legislation, campuses sort of get up in arms and then legislatures point to uh, liberal college professors indoctrinating their students. And um, that serves as sort of a further impetus to 
cut funding to higher education because of that whole discourse that we see yeah. proceeding um, about, you know, you know, I mean, there's a clear partisan divide in this country about funding for higher education, where we get, um, you know, Republicans who believe that, that higher education is a bad thing for the country and, and Democrats who tend to think that it's a good thing for the country. Um, and and I, I think I got this from your book that that was sort of precipitated by some of this legislation. I, well, there there is an anecdote in the book that uh, we we share about um, Anthony Bouchard, who uh, is a state legislator in Wyoming, uh, uh, who's That's again it. in the news because he is a um, <laughs> he's he's running a primary campaign against Liz Cheney. Cheney there now, right. um, but at, at the uh, a few years ago he um, was uh, threatening um, funding for uh, some uh, humanities education uh, programs in in uh, at the University of Wyoming because he saw a student presentation about uh, gun violence and race and. Considered it to be liberal, you know, liberal indoctrination. Um, you know, uh, had a confrontation with the students uh, and with their instructor, um, and you know, m- you know, made 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 the pitch basically for campus carry, which he's been a uh, a, a proponent of. Uh, he's introduced campus carry legislation there in Wyoming uh, at least twice, um, and yeah, it it, it you know. It precipitates a, a, a pretty predictable response from uh, you know the academic community. People are offended by it. They 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 march, they demonstrate, and then uh, you know that that is uh, sort of politically useful for uh, you know politicians uh, who want to frame the uh the university community as being in opposition to conservative values um so you know there there there, there are plenty of examples of, of of that but the wyoming case is one that, that comes to mind sure and, and both of you of course are um veterans of the of the the fight against this at the university of texas at austin um can you speak a little bit to it, it sounds like quite a, a colorful um, protest that happened there. Yes, a whole series of uh, colorful protests. Uh, uh, when the law first went to, into effect, um, a number of students got together and, and formed um, Cox Not Glocks uh, because in Texas it was um, illegal to display a, uh, a dildo in public. Um, but uh, uh, it was not illegal to uh, uh, conceal carry a, a handgun on campus. Um, and so there was a very large demonstration covered by um, what seemed like hundreds of journalists from all over the world um, called Cox Knock Locks, where there were a, a number of um, a number of dildos, uh, hundreds actually of dildos um, that were uh, uh, brandished. Um, and there were no arrests for um, open open carry of dildos. Um, and I think they made a very good point. Uh, however, as, as a result of that very colorful um, uh, protest, a number of the student leaders were uh, singled out. Um, um, uh, one, uh, one or two of them um, uh, had videos made about them um, by um, uh, uh, various uh, people um, where they ended up uh, being um, uh, uh, victims of violence or shot in the head um, because they were trying to uh, fight off um, a, an armed intruder with a dildo. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, one of them actually ended up leaving town because of that. Um, she was uh, uh, sleeping on um, friends' sofas, couch surfing from going from one city to another, trying to stay ahead of the, um, of the people who were threatening her. It's unbelievable. 
Um, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other consequences of the proliferation proliferation of firearms on college campuses. This is the New Books Network. Welcome back. My guests today are Pat Summers and Matt Valentine of the University of Texas at Austin, who are here to discuss their recent book, Campus Carry, Confronting a Loaded Issue in Higher Education. Um, I'm trying to figure out where to go from here. There's so much to talk about. Whenever a shooting or a gun-related incident on the college campus is discussed in the news, I always hear from my wife uh, before I go off to work the next day uh, that I should just give all of my students A's. Uh, so maybe we should start there with the impact of campus carry on the work lives of our faculty. Well, Pat has has done uh, many interviews, hundreds of I think of interviews with with faculty uh, as part of her research. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll defer to her to sort of begin that discussion. Yes, we, we've done uh, over 200 interviews with uh, faculty and staff uh, at the University of Texas at Austin um, about how campus carry has affected their interactions in the classroom, outside of the classroom, uh, their interactions with fellow faculty members, uh, with students, um, and there is a, a great a great deal of concern, a great deal of anxiety. Um, it's clear that campus, the, the idea of campus carry and not knowing um, uh, uh, who is carrying a gun, uh, who is angry on a particular day, um, does uh, uh, chill uh, speech in the classroom in particular. It chills faculty speech. It's, it chills uh, student speech. Um, and uh, you want higher education to be an exchange of ideas. You want, uh, we're, we're called the marketplace of ideas. How can we have an exchange of, of uh, ideas about political differences, for example, if we're afraid to talk because we might be um, singled out and shot because of that. Um, I remember that in one of the interviews, uh, a faculty member said that she had asked a, a, a previous uh, police chief what she was supposed to do in her lecture section of 300 people if, uh, if a student pulled out a gun. And uh, his response was, and this was about 15 years ago, um, so that person is not still around. He said, duck and cover, little lady. Um, wow. and, and that was his response on, on how you were, you were supposed to uh, protect yourself and, and your students. Um, and so at the University of Texas at Austin, um, there are a number of things that faculty members have done to protect themselves and their students. They found out pretty quickly that there were certain places um, that uh, students could uh, not carry guns, and most of them were off campus. So many of them moved their office hours to churches or to bars, um, which uh, had previously not allowed um, uh, guns on the premises. Uh, faculty members who were lucky enough to have um, an enclosed office um, could make a statement that they um, uh, did not allow guns in their office, but that was just it, a statement and, and nothing else. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, faculty members lit, uh, moved uh, their presence online. They taught more online courses even before the pandemic. They had more um, individual class meetings that were online. Um, and there are other faculty members who just voted with their feet. Um, they left, and some of them left in a very noisy way, saying campus carry was the reason they left. So there, there were a number of ways that, that people responded um, to uh, the, the fear and, and the, the chilling of speech on campus. Likewise, there were advisors who were very, very concerned about talking with students, one of them said something to the effect that she was talking to a student who had previously been um, uh, chastised for carrying a gun on campus before campus carry went into effect. Um, and she had uh, 
several people who uh, were uh, on standby in case that student came in and, and branched a gun at her for talking about carrying a gun uh, uh, and his previous uh, uh, conviction. Um, so there, there were many people, not just faculty members, but many people who were really concerned about um, the possibilities of gun violence um, over some very small matter, um, which may have been blown out of proportion by a particular student or a particular faculty member. Yeah, uh, I just add. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to add to that that uh, our colleagues uh, over at the University of Houston, uh, the, the the as they were preparing for the implementation of campus carry, the faculty senate there gave a, a presentation on it and and basically uh, discouraged faculty from from having conversations in, in the classroom that might be provocative. Um, they said, you know, that, that the language in their slide was don't go there in quotation marks, uh, uh, meaning, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't risk agitating somebody uh, in, in your teaching. But there are so many issues that. Of course. <laughs> part of a good education, you, you have to go there. Exactly. And it, it, I mean, that, that's, you know, any education worthy of its name is going to, you know, obviously with sensitivity and, and not imposing particular perspectives, but to raise those issues and, and make them uh, accessible to discussion and testing is, is part of what any education is about. Yes. And that was that was a big part of the, the basis of the lawsuit that some of our uh, colleagues at, at UT Austin filed um, uh, as, a, as a response to, to campus carry, saying that it was going to effectively limit their uh, their their ability to uh, to teach in a manner and, and to teach the content that they uh, that they that they wanted to and that they thought was was you know sort of most valuable to students uh of course that that argument didn't prevail with the with the federal uh court system um you know it, it was um they, they were sort of told that it, it was it was hypothetical right that 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 um in, it, in, unless there was actually a, a a harm that uh was had been illustrated um by an incident uh, that this was this was all just um sort of speculation so I guess wait till somebody actually gets actually gets shot that upset. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there are a number of different issues that are raised in your book. Uh, things things about the the impact of campus carry on community colleges in particular. But one of the important ones I think that that I'd like to talk about is the impact that campus carry has on suicide rates. And and it seems that our culture is just sort of coming to grips or waking up to the real problems of uh, mental health among students. And, and now we're going to insert into that volatile situation um, firearms. And I was wondering if, if you wanted, if, if uh, either of you wanted to speak to this issue of the, the relationship between campus carry and, and suicide among students. Uh, yes, I, I can tackle that. There are a number of unintended consequences of, of campus carry. And um, uh, one of the most uh, important is the more guns in circulation, the higher the suicide rate. And actually on college campuses, it this tends to affect uh, two, two groups. Um, one is uh, 18 to 24 year old um, young men uh, who are at higher risk of suicide. Um, and I've lost some young uh, family members uh, to suicide. And so I'm very in touch with that issue. So uh, the more guns, the, the higher the suicide rate. And we've seen that since the, the pandemic um, as gun uh, sales have um, increase to what seems like every month, um, the suicide rate has gone up. Now, certainly the stress of the pandemic had a lot to do with that, but just Absolutely. more guns means more suicides. Um, and, well, and so guns, there is course, a risk. Guns are the most effective means. And that's, right. From what I've seen is that, you know, people who attempt suicide by other means are, have a higher rate of survival than yes. people who try it with firearms. 
exactly. And then the second group um, affected by um, more firearms would be um, uh, people who are, are victims of um, intimate uh, partner violence. That also increases with more guns in circulation. And that is an issue on college campuses as well as in society in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if I can add a little bit to that, sure. I, I would um, say, you know, the, 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 the effects of campus carry policy on campus suicide rates are a little bit opaque. Um, it, it's not as, as, as evident as, um, you know, um, murders would be, right? Um, because the Clery Act requires universities to report homicide and other crimes uh, to the Department of Education. And so that data is available. Uh, but homicides on college campuses have always been exceedingly rare. Um, suicides uh, are not documented by uh, the Clery Act, uh, but uh, there are some efforts to try to um, get uh, sort of quantitative uh, data about uh, campus suicides and and what effect campus carry may have had. Uh, Marjorie Sanfilippo at Eckerd College did a survey of of uh, directors of college counseling centers in in uh, campus carry states as well as uh, states without campus carry policies, including the university, uh, including Texas, um, and um, uh, the, the her. Uh, the data that she's she's collected so far have indicated a, a rising rate of, of completed suicides at schools that have implemented campus carry, and then also Alan Schwartz, uh, late uh, the late Alan Schwartz of uh, University of Rochester, uh, spent m- most of his career studying college suicide, and and he found a pretty clear correlation between uh, the um, amount of of, of of time that people spent on college campuses where at the time guns were not allowed uh, with the, the, the suicide rate, you know, so students who were commuters, for example, had a higher suicide rate than students who lived on campus. Um, and if there were several different categories where he was measuring this uh, across and, and finding that basically the more time people spent in this environment that was, you know, where guns were uh, prohibited, uh, the, 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 the less likely they were to, to die of suicide, which of course is consistent with decades of research in the social sciences, just about suicide and, and firearms in general. Um, yeah. Sure. So I know this wasn't your chapter and I, and I'm, I, and if you are, if it's hard to talk about, that's fine. But the, the chapter on, on campus carry and community colleges was fascinating. Um, and, and Matt, you just mentioned that, you know, here at Oakland, we're primarily a commuter school, um, but community colleges have these sort of really permeable borders between the campus and the outside community. Um, I was thinking, for instance, you know, the the issue of having weapons near children, and our university runs a daycare center that's really well regarded in the community. And so there's the possibility that if Michigan were to institute something like this, that we would have weapons on a, in a daycare center. Um, I, I just, there, there are a number of issues that, that get raised in that chapter. I was wondering if you could, if you wanted to touch on any of those. Sure. Community colleges are, are, um, unique kinds of institutions. Um, Many of them are in rural areas where, in, in fact, um, there may be higher um, gun carry rates um, because, uh, uh, and, and they may not be necessarily handguns, they may be rifles for people who um, live in rural areas and uh, go hunting or go out on their farms and uh, need a, a rifle to um, take care of the wildlife on their property. Sure. Um so there are more uh, people who are carrying guns or leaving guns in their car on college campuses. At the same time, there is this huge uh, movement for early college high school um, where students as young as 13 um, may be attending wow. um, uh 
classes on college campuses. And with the support of state and federal governments, the early college, high school, and similar kinds of movements have grown exponentially. Um, they're considered as a, as a means of having access for students, uh, particularly in rural areas where there are, there are not a lot of choices in the high school. Um, so it's important to note that there may be very young um, students in regular classrooms on many college campuses that have campus carry. The uh, uh, daycare centers and children's centers are, are exempt um, from um, uh, the, the carry rules, um, but that doesn't uh, apply in community colleges where there is some kind of early college, high school, or a dual credit program. Um, so there are very young students who um, can be exposed to guns at, a, at an early age, um, and it's very difficult to segregate out those younger students uh, uh, from the rest of the population and uh, the classes that they're in. Um, so that, that's uh, um, a real dilemma for community colleges. Sure. Um, I'd also like to ask a little bit about um, the impact of, of campus carry on communities of color. Uh, the chapter on that was, uh, was very impressive. Um, I was wondering if you would be able to talk a little bit about those issues. So that chapter was written by our, our colleague Richard Reddick from the University of Texas and uh, Anthony Sedial, um, who is an educational consultant. Um, and, um, you know, our, uh, almost every, <laughs> well, not almost every, but, but dozens of, of uh, departments and, and centers and programs on uh, the University of Texas campus issued um, statements uh, formally opposing uh, campus carry as it was uh, sort of m making its way into um, our reality uh, at UT Austin. And maybe the strongest of those came from uh, the, the Department of African and African Diaspora Studies, which said that, you know, uh, they, they, they suffer a, 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 a greater risk, um, which is, you know, true in the general population um, of, of, of gun violence. And it, there's no reason to think that it wouldn't be true as well in the in the campus context, of course, part of this goes to those ideas, those provocative ideas, and the uh, you know, sort of uh, you know context of, of teaching things like critical race theory, right? That that could provoke uh, strong reactions from people, and that that, that you know uh, are Often kind does. of things, yeah, that, that people were were concerned about when 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 uh, you know sort of. Um, raising raising these objections to campus carry in the first place um i think another thing that's really important in that chapter that um dr reddick uh and dr sedio um uh discuss is that you know gun rights uh are enjoyed differently by people of color very often than than uh than white people. Um, so, you know, there's an example of, a, of an incident at Portland State University where sure. a man named Jason Washington, uh, who had a, uh, a concealed carry permit and, you know, uh, so was legally authorized to carry a firearm, uh, crossed that permeable border between um, the, 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 the the public community and, and the campus, um, you know, there was a bar uh, right across the street from, from campus. And, and there was an argument that, uh, you know, kind of kind of rolled out of that bar and, and across the street onto campus. Uh, this man, Jason Washington, was actually trying to break up a fight between other people. Uh, and the gun he was carrying uh fell out of its, uh, you know, fell, fell on the ground in the, in the course of the scuffle. And, uh, when the campus police arrived and they saw that gun, they, they shot and killed him. Right. Uh, and you know, we, we've seen plenty of incidents of, of, of police violence, um, disproportionately, uh, targeting, um, people of color. And, you know, it seems that, 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 that the campus, campus police may not be immune from from that same uh outcome 
No reason to think that they would. Um, so your final chapter talks about, uh, is entitled Ways Forward. I was wondering if you wanted to uh, tell us a little bit about responding to campus carry as, as, as we are as educators or, or as scholars. Yes, it's clear that uh, uh, the response from uh, colleges uh, to campus carry has been um, really weak. Um, uh, a lot of administrators kind of, uh, once uh, campus carry goes through and there's a policy, they kind of don't like to talk about it after that. Um, but it is important that um, the university community be involved in setting policies um, and that everyone feels that they are safe on campus. Um, for example, there are uh, many, exa uh, many examples of accidental discharges, particularly in residence halls. Um, where yeah, Your uh, stories there are just frightening. Oh, yeah, they really are. Um, and uh, so colleges and universities need to very carefully look at that issue. If they have campus carry in their state, what will they do with residence halls? Um, will they allow guns there? Um, who gets to carry a gun there? Um, will they have lockers, which are very expensive, or some other means of storage? Um, and that would cut down on a lot of the accidental discharges. Um, uh, um, also, there... Um, there have been a number of instances uh, at the University of Texas at Austin and other schools of um, people who uh, conceal carry guns, um, leaving their guns um, abandoned in a restroom. Um, and yeah. without going into all the details, evidently, if you carry a holster, um, it is it, when you uh, use the facilities, it, it is very awkward. Um, and there have been uh, people who have, um, uh, as they were using the facilities, um, shot themselves accidentally in the um, lower body. Um, yes. That's all I'll say. Very good. Um, and uh, um, then others who just take the gun off and leave it on a counter. Um, there have been a, a number of those abandoned weapons um, yes. uh, at UT, and, and uh, the police department's not really sure what to do with them. Um, uh, and, uh, um, you know, uh, what legally they can, uh, action they can take. So, um, you know, there, uh, there are risks. There are a lot of unintended consequences that universities need to um, consider. It's also very important to have training, and not just for the departments that are large and have resources to hire people to bring in trainers about how to respond during um, um, uh, uh, a gun incident, um, but it, that needs to be available to everyone. Um, and at the University of Texas at Austin, uh, we do have a number of online trainings that we use. But in addition to that, those trainings are, are supplemented by, um, in some departments, uh, some outside trainers coming in. And so there was a there was a split in the beginning, at least, between um, those departments with resources to better implement the policy and those departments that were poorer, smaller, weaker, and their uh, inability to have special trainings. Mm -hmm. I, I um, would add that, that one of the uh, sort of uh, pedagogical uh, responses that uh, university faculty can uh, try to uh, implement and that uh, could, could be aided by that kind of training that Pat's talking about there um, is um, trauma-aware pedagogy uh, that includes, uh, uh, you know, sensitivities to gun violence and the victims of gun violence, right? Um, when we're thinking about the content of our courses and the manner uh, of our material as we present it, um, yes, people are uh, certainly aware of the possibility that people in their classroom may be proponents of gun rights or maybe carrying a gun and maybe, uh, you know, pr pr provoked. Uh, but we also have to be aware of the, the, the people who maybe are victims of gun violence. Um, and that if we're going to be talking about guns in the, in a context where there are guns, uh, you know, that, 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 um, we need to, to be sensitive to their traumas as well. 
I think also maybe uh, Tom, where you were where you were going with uh, this question had had a little bit to do with uh, our uh, advocacy for mm-hmm. research. Um, yes. That that um, universities have the uh, ability uh, to support. Um, really necessary research into gun violence uh, and 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 to campus carry specifically, sure, but also to, to gun violence uh, in, in general. In, in general. Um, as I'm sure you know, you know that the uh, federal funding through the Centers for Disease Control uh, was stymied for a long time by a congressional threat of, of defunding uh, their injury prevention unit. Uh, because in the 90s they had done some research that indicated that uh, you know owning guns increased your risk of, of uh, being shot, uh, and they they uh, didn't didn't they, they perceived that as being anti-gun. advocacy uh, and anti gun advocacy, and, and they 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 said that it basically couldn't couldn't do that kind of research or couldn't find results that. <laughs> it's actually more nefarious than than just uh, you can't do the research. It's it was banning that the you know research that that produced conclusions that said that maybe guns everywhere is not great. Um, but uh, you know that that that's beginning to change. We've actually just just now begun to see the CDC uh, this year uh, start actually funding uh, some 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 gun violence research um, after you know decades of of, of uh, stagnancy but uh universities have not been under that same uh restriction um and you know it's it's just it's been an area that has been avoided uh traditionally by by academics because it's you know distasteful i mean there there was a a very famous uh law article uh, that uh was was authored uh in, in maybe 30 years ago about the uh, the uh, the embarrassing Second Amendment and when the, the, the premise of that article was that academics basically just didn't want to talk about guns because it was seen as sort of silly and 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 you know getting into uh, you know sort of the the, the the political uh, realm, you know, in the same way that maybe people might be a little reluctant to talk about other hot button issues, uh, you know, like abortion. Um, so, um, you know, that, that needs to change because it's, it's, you know, that this is a, <laughs> this is um, an area of uh, where public policy and public health intersect and where there are 40,000 Americans uh, dying and uh, over a hundred thousand Americans being injured, uh, every year from, from gun violence. Uh, and we're, you know, we're, we're making policies that are not very well informed. Uh, and it seems like that, you know, public scholarship has a role to play there. Um, and there are, there are a lot of different disciplines that could contribute to the, uh, to informing those decisions. You know, it's not just public health. I mean, that's the area where we do see, you know, we have seen in medicine and public health and a little bit in the social sciences, uh, some, 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 some good research and and progress that's been made over decades, but really, you know, there's plenty of of room for, for history to, uh, be a a relevant part of that dialogue and for philosophy and, uh, engineering, you know, uh, or even architecture, right. The design of, I mean, this is something that you've written about the, you know, the, the, the safety of public buildings, um, so re- really, most well, really, any, anybody who considers, you know, it, I work in a, in an area that considers itself to be critical theory and, and I would be hard pressed to point to studies emanating from that domain that discuss the issues of guns. Um, it, it just doesn't, you know, although, as you said, you, you, you put it, you both say in your acknowledgements, and this is sort of where I wanted to wrap up today, um, you know, you thank the contributors to your work, um, and, and really all of the essays in this collection are terrific, and, and each one is kind of a journey that, that you're led through as you as you move through the, the entire text. Uh, but you thank them and, and say that, that this, is a, this is a hard topic to, to talk about. This is a hard thing to study. This is a hard thing to write about. 
Um, so I'm wondering, and I just we just have a few minutes here. What what makes you want to continue this work? That's a very good question. <laughs> and and uh, I think I can say that through the the interviews that that we've done, um, I've I've seen the impact on individuals, uh, the real feeling of uh, being de- demoralized and losing control um, because. Uh, um, so much is dictated to you under campus carry. You can't say certain things. You have to act in certain ways. There are lots of questions about the policy and how to implement it. And um, those questions aren't always addressed. Um, So the social psychological uh, impact is really high. And um, I have not interviewed any students about this, uh, in, in part because the campus has been closed down, but mm-hmm. the, the faculty and staff that I have talked with have said again and again how demoralized there are. they are. One faculty member said, when I go to a conference out of state, I don't tell anyone from I'm from Texas. I just say I'm from the Southwest because <laughs> I'm so embarrassed about campus carry. And I don't want to get into an argument because I don't support campus carry. Um, so it's been really difficult. Um, um, and and so they, uh, they feel helpless. Uh, uh, and many of them have left. There have been scholars who've even refused to come and give lectures on campus uh, because of the campus carry issue. Um, so this whole loss of control is a, a really important one uh, because of the impact on um, turnover, for one thing, and also productivity. Um, it's probably, you know, one of the, the issues that um, uh, reduces productivity more than any other, particularly every time there there is a shooting, um, no matter where it is. Um, it could, it may not even be on a college campus. And I, I will say that one of the things that happened after Virginia Tech is that most institutions developed something that they call uh, behavioral concerns programs, where if you're concerned about a student, um, that you can uh, talk with a counselor, you can make a, a binding referral to a counselor. Um, and uh, I, I know I've used that process before, and it's not, it's not ever been from someone for someone who I was afraid was carrying a gun. It was for someone that I was really concerned about, um, that I thought they might uh, do some harm to themselves and not to anyone else. Um, so that's a, a really important step. If universities have not done that, it, it is necessary. Yeah, um, I, I I would say, you know, people often ask me you know, why, why I – uh, sort of ended up on the gun beat, gun policy beat, uh, <laughs> as a journalist. Um, and you know, it, 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 I've, people have wondered before if, if I, if there was, if I had any personal, you know, uh, motivation, if I did yeah, suffered an, some kind of trauma or something like that. Um, and it, you know, my, my answer was no. Um, but it, you know, as I've, you know, uh, continue to, to, to live with and think about, uh, these, these issues, I realized, you know, there are actually quite a few, uh, points of, of, of intersection in, in my life with, with, with gun violence. And I think that that's just normal in the, in, in the U S that everybody knows someone yeah. who has died by suicide for, with a firearm or, uh, has, you know, been, uh, threatened with a firearm or has been proximate to some sort of, uh, tragedy with, with, with guns. And, you know, um, I, I think we've gotten to a point where we sort of just accept it as, as the normal context. Um, and as I've, learned more about it and, and, and met uh, survivors of gun violence uh, and advocates and uh, researchers, uh, you know, I've, I've been impressed with the, that the, the, the notion that um, it's not going to get better unless people really actively uh, uh, address it. And that in fact, as a matter of policy, uh, we've, we've been moving in the wrong direction for, for, for decades. Uh, you know that the, the general trends in in American 
policy at at the state level uh, in most states um, has been to to make uh, all these these policies more permissive and you you can see the consequences of that in people's lives um sure. yeah and so that's it that's that's what motivates me yeah okay uh pat summers and matt valentine thank you so much for your time today thank you and and also thank you for this book as our campuses return to whatever it is the normal is going to look like after the pandemic um, this book should really be at the top of all of our reading lists. Um, once again, that is uh, Campus Carry, Confronting a Loaded Issue in Higher Education from Harvard Education Press. This has been Tom DeSena for the Education Channel of the New Books Network. Thank you for listening.